At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Accelerating your fandom, this is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Belle. And I'm Bo. And you have been moving, and therefore everything is messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, it has been a crazy last couple of days. Of course, um, as as we mentioned last week, that uh, you know, with with uh, well, I guess we've mentioned it last couple of weeks, but uh, just some changes here uh, at home because my home is now in a different place, and I am in what will be kind of the the new studio setup. Um, You know, it's interesting if I could. I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh, you know, so we, we, I, I had a, a studio. I had a professional recording studio in uh, my hometown of Jackson, Mississippi that I've been in for since 2013, I believe. And, um, and yeah, and it was, uh, it was great, but, um, we, we didn't necessarily shut the doors per se. I was actually able to sell the studio, which we posted out on Pottery's website and all that kind of great stuff, uh, in conjunction with moving here to Houston and uh, man, I'm I'm excited to be in Houston, but I do miss my studio, especially <laughs> on days like today. So it's uh it's it's been an adjustment. There are boxes everywhere. Uh, the sound quality is not what I want it to be yet, but one way or the other, we're here. And man, I'm I'm just ready to geek out with you and kind of relax after uh, the mountains and mountains of unboxing boxes and such are are, are kind of put push to the side. Now I'm with you. We're talking Flash. It's going to be great. All right. Well, uh, that sounds good, man. It's good to, you know, kind of clear the air and then uh, get moved into a new place, get settled. So that should be that should be fun here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I got to do the same thing here coming up. But uh, that's enough about moving. Why don't we move into the rundown? The, the rundown. rundown. Episode 16 of season five. Failure is an orphan. Directed by Viet Gwyn and story by Zach Stentz. Bell, what happened this episode? In 2049, Thawne warns Nora that they have to act fast to stop Cicada once and for all because a new timeline is trying to push its way into being and it's bringing something really big with it. In the present, Nora and Barry confront a new metahuman, Acid Master, whose burn marks were on a newspaper article shown to Nora in the future, which leads her to deduce that the final confrontation with Cicada is upon them. Meanwhile, Joe and Cecile interrogate Dr. Ambers about working with Dwyer when she reveals to them that Dwyer's niece, Grace, is a metahuman now. Barry reveals this to Dwyer, which makes him reconsider his whole vendetta and successfully convinces him to take the metahuman cure by bringing up the possibility of curing Grace. Dwyer is taken to Star Labs and given the cure, but during the operation, the facility is attacked by a new cicada who kills Dr. Ambers and abducts Dwyer. At a cabin in the woods, the new cicada unmasks herself to reveal an adult Grace. 
Dun, dun, dun. And, and, and just when we thought we were going to be done with Cicada, uh, here comes Cicada Jr. Out of, the, out of the mix and right into the forefront and throwing everything off, uh, according to our buddy Eobard here. Um, this was this is I, I don't know if I could say that this was something that I anticipated happening, but there was that adult grace in the whole like mind episode uh, that we had to deal with. But I would have been fine with them saying that's just, you know, Grace's consciousness protecting her or something we just be done with it but apparently no we now have adult grace who got here somehow and is now uh taking her father to a secluded place in the woods and we're we're still not done with cicada bo what's going on here man (laughs) (laughs) i I know right like we, we thought for sure that this was the episode i mean you know spoilers nora told us this was the episode um and so we we kind of assumed that this would be the conclusion and the rest would be all uh, downhill as we head towards the the new villain, or at least the old villain of Eobard. Now, you know that was set up for us, right? Like we we knew that a new villain would be taking the place of Cicada, but I think we didn't necessarily realize that it would be another Cicada. Which, by the way, <laughs> Cicada Junior. I, th- I thought we were going with Kid Cicada. Um, yeah, let's yeah, Kid Cicada is better. Kid Cicada. Kid 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 Cicada. I like it. It's like Kid Cootie, but Kid Cicada. Yeah, I, I can dig it. Kid Kata. So Kid Kata is on the scene. And uh, yeah, and, you know, I I think they even mentioned early in the episode, the revelation to the team that she's a meta, but we did already know that. Yeah, that, that's what's been so weird with me with these last couple episodes is that like this whole revelation that she's a meta. Everybody's like, what? No way. And I was like, hasn't she been a meta for like half the season? I, I, I felt like that was kind of obvious and implicit in like you know her injury and all that kind of stuff like it just it didn't like it, it felt so disingenuous when all the team was surprised that she was a meta it, it was so weird to me like I, i'm like how did you guys not know this especially considering that dwyer received an injury who was you know it made him into a meta who was feet away from uh from grace and like you have this debris cloud of all the stuff falling and i don't know it, it was just i'm like yeah of course she's a meta correct me if i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong but didn't wasn't the idea that there were shards moving closer to her brain, but there was like a meta power that was keeping them away from her? Maybe the assumption was that the shards themselves were of meta tech and she was not necessarily a biological meta, but I, I don't know. It, it's a little questionable. Yeah, I don't I don't remember that specific bit, but that would be kind of an interesting thing if she was a meta before she got hit with the meta tech particles and there's kind of like a meta fight going on in her brain that could be that could be interesting i i don't know i i just it's my my biggest question is this it's it's where where does this grace come from right like this we the only time we've seen uh grown-up kid (laughs) kid kata was inside grace's own mind and so it's it's interesting to see a grown-up future kid kata hanging out in the real that i mean that's that's a good point and i mean like you know we'll we'll get into speculation i think a little bit later on in the episode about you know how how a future older version of her gets here but one thing is for sure that was revealed this episode man is that you know i think a lot of people thought that perhaps the doctor was somehow a mastermind or uh you know i guess played a larger role into what's going on but she just kind of ended up being a kind of a rat so to speak, like she, she just kind of ended up being there to be the person that team flash by way of uh, Cecile and Joe would learn cicada secrets. Right. Yeah. I, she, she kind of had that sort of, well, I, maybe not mastermind aspect to her, but more like a, uh, 
like a like a partner in crime kind of thing but yeah. it, it still like felt an like accomplice. yeah yeah but but like i more so than an accomplice just because you know it was basically her keeping dwyer alive you know and and uh, tending to grace and stuff i felt like her role was more important than what we end up seeing it was just because of that knowledge that she held and and like when she was saying no if anyone's going to operate him on it's going to be me i'm going to do the sutures i'm going to do all this kind of stuff and so you get this feeling that, that maybe there's something more important with her but nope nope she's just toast by the end of the episode <laughs> and I I, I I guess that's another one too i don't really get it why kid kata would have to kill her when she was doing all this stuff to save her dad and save her even yeah it's just yeah I- There's something going on. I mean, I think a large part has to do with the fact that, you know, as we learn pretty early on and even midway through the season, the timeline is in fact malleable. And that's impacting a lot for Nora in ways that she didn't expect and and at least in how he's acting in ways that Eobar didn't expect. Speaking of uh, Nora, man, did you notice that she was like legit wearing Eobard's colors, like even down to the flame pattern on her shirt? Yeah, that was kind of neat. I was kind of looking at that sweater, looking at it like, hmm, this is interesting. It's not purple in gold. It's red and gold. And those are red and yellow, I guess. Uh, more like yellow and red. But yeah. Well, but like the flame pattern too, because that was one thing, you know, the the big major differentiating factor between the Eobard versus Barry costumes in season one really came down to color and pattern because overall they're very, very similar, except for the fact that Eobard's does have this kind of like, I don't know what you call it, but like this indention of like these flame patterns, they're not painted, but they're there. They're like visibly there. Yeah. The little, almost like uh, embossed flame lines yeah, embossed, that's it yeah exactly well you know i mean so here she is man she's like wearing eobard's jersey <laughs> i wonder uh, uh if that was a conscious decision on wardrobe or if that was just like a uh, really it inane coincidence <laughs> it has to be there has to be some you know because i mean like a lot of the what we've seen, especially this season, man, is costumes and, and what people are wearing casually having deeper meaning. We saw, for example, Caitlin wearing a tacky Christmas sweater that is essentially exactly her, you know, super villain costume. Like there's, there's that is true. Touches like that they put in. <laughs> it's all about the sweaters, man. Like the, the the future is told in the sweaters. Yeah, the, uh, the the sweaters are the key that binds everything together. And when we pull on that thread of the sweater, everything will unravel, ah. and then then we shall know the answers that which we look for um but yeah so that was that was interesting it's 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 and you know looking at the preview that we saw from next week's episode you can you can tell that there's definitely some uh, uh interesting stuff going on there between uh nora and eobard as we've seen all along this season but uh you know the extent of that is still kind of unknown uh which i, I guess we're going to get a lot of next episode which will be nice it'll be nice to kind of see some uh get some information there on what what exactly they're doing and what this countdown is and and um what kid Kata <laughs> so ridiculous <laughs> uh, has to do with all of this. But uh, yeah, we got a little bit of a, uh, before, you know, we, we jump into that kind of stuff. There's a couple other characters to talk about here and it's, it's, it's nice to see Joe and Cecile, you know, working together there, Joe being a little proud and a little, uh, you know, confident in his own abilities and getting put in his place by Cecile and her <laughs> cheating, I guess you could say uh, that, that mm. she does with the, the mm. reading of the minds and things like that. But um, in the end there, though they work past that and now they're gonna uh, make what appears to be a pretty good little interrogation team there for team flash yeah you know it, it is interesting because you you know joe's despite being surrounded by all of these metahumans he is old school 
right? Yeah. Like he's always like pulling out the 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 pistol, even though he's surrounded by you know vibe and flash and all these people that can do all these amazing things. And you know, and and when it comes down to a crime scene, I, I you know he he likes to he likes to keep reality as grounded as possible. In many respects, Joe is one of the last remaining kind of anchors for reality this show has. Everybody else has been touched in some form or fashion with meta abilities, even Cecile, you know, who's the, you know, well, Ralph notwithstanding the newest member of the team, you know, the, everybody's got powers or everybody has some sort of direct connection to powers. Even, even Iris got powers briefly. And of course is the, the wife and mother of two different, you know, like the wife of a superhero and, and the, and the mother of a superhero. And so Joe has, has been kind of removed you know, even being the fact that all of his kids are superheroes, he's still kind of removed from their lives because they're kind of past him at this point. So he likes to kind of keep things as grounded as possible. So he doesn't, you know, it, it makes sense when Cecile wants to inject meta into the workplace. He, he feels a little uncomfortable with it. I don't know. I, I think Joe was was pretty justified in his tendency to not want to, as you said, Bell, cheat. Yeah. You know, he is old school that, you know, he, he that that's one of his things that he's proud of about himself, right? About his job, about the things that he does is he's able to read people. And Cecile is literally able to read people. And so I, I think that he, he probably feels like there's a little bit of toes being stepped on uh, and he wants to, you know, still feel useful, right? Like, you know, there, there's got to be a place for him on the team. And, and, and granted, there always is because he is, like you said, this, this grounding sort of, uh, you know, uh, binds us to reality kind of thing. And, and, and obviously he's the Papa Joe role. He's the mentor. He does all those kinds of things. But like that's kind of that's kind of in addition to who Joe is. Right. Uh, Joe mm. for himself is the super cop. Like I've got the intuition. I know how to do this. I've been doing it for a long time and I'm really good at it. The Papa Joe stuff. Sure. I do that, too, because I'm just a great person and overall the biggest superhero on this team because of <laughs> because of all of those abilities. Well, I mean, let's, dude. Can we can we talk about how Barry Papa Joe Papa Joe this episode? <laughs> like that happened. And I, I love the fact that Joe even acknowledged it as it was going down, but it just shows it shows two things. One, as much as we love Papa Joe, and as you say, man, he is he is a superhero in his own right. He's he's not ooh, I, I don't want to be misinterpreted when I say this. He's not necessary anymore. Like his children have grown up, they've established themselves. They now have their own family. Like he, he, like they, they are playing on a different level in terms of dealing with super crime as opposed to just traditional crime. And so he gets to sit back in that grandfatherly way and kind of enjoy the legacy that he helped create. But at the same time, you do get that kind of twinge of like, yeah, but you don't have to be here to to do that, right? Like, like Joe Joe's necessity is almost proving itself out in Barry after the season, after his experiences with Nora, after you know he and Iris have been so, through so much this season, after they've been kind of like not not just through so much in the traditional you know CW drama. Oh, will they? Won't they? Oh, so and so like so and so. No, like in the drama of you know establishing a family and becoming parents and learning how to be together and on a team in a way that's totally different than just, you know, being on a team to fight down, fight bad guys. And so like they, they've, they've advanced, they both have. And so to see Barry take on that, that role and to see Joe acknowledge it is a major almost passing of the torch between the two characters. I thought I like, I loved that, that scene and that sequence, but it does hit me with a tinge of sadness 
because you know I've been saying this I think for a few seasons and now it's more evident than ever especially after this first half of the season where he wasn't here but Joe doesn't he's not necessary for the flash I mean look don't yeah. at me I hear you I, I'm not happy about that I'm just saying from a storytelling and narrative standpoint uh, they'll they'll be kind of harder pressed I think to find stories that fit his character now that his role has really kind of shifted. There'll be a scene in the future where Barry and Joe are standing apart from one another and Barry is like, I was once but the learner. Now I am the master. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying kill him. I don't want to well, see yeah. Joe die. I mean, in many respects, Harry or not Harry, but um, Henry uh, really took on that, that kind of character role in that dynamic of being the one that died so that his son can kind of advance. But here's the thing. Here's what they need to do with Papa Joe. They need to, to send him off. Uh, he can go, you know, whatever, be, be in Bermuda or Barbados or wherever he was. And, and he can come back for Christmas because, man, Christmas just got a whole lot more tasty. Who knew that Grandma Esther had a sweet potato pie recipe? I know, right? Like all these years we've been doing this uh, Grandma Esther's eggnog-induced Christmas call and extravaganza when we could have had a uh, Thanksgiving-induced Grandma Esther's sweet potato pie cook-off challenge calling yeah. show. Sweet potato pie itis induced episode. We'll just eat a bunch of pie and, <laughs> and oh, this is the microphone. Oh, 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 oh it's okay. Too much. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> man, look, Grandma Esther always making like uh, I'm telling you, man. I've said this before on the show. I really want to pitch this. I I I have this theory. Somebody on the writing staff, and I know I'm not talking about the top tier writing staff because y'all y'all don't listen to us. We know y'all don't listen. To us. <laughs> I'm talking about the intern that is getting coffee. We see you, and we know that you are in and out of the writers' room, like dropping like a like a oh you know Grilly Grad should really uh, hang off a bell. Oh you know Papa Joe, I think uh, I think I saw that on Twitter. Like like no no no, we we know you're there. <laughs> we know you're there, and we first of all thank you. You are yes. a superhero to, to us. Here's what I want you to kind of sneak in on those coffee visits when you're in the writing room. Here's what I want to see. I want to see Grandma Esther. I want to see an origin slash backstory for Grandma Esther that she's like some sort of super spy or something like that where Barry and maybe Nora or maybe just Nora or maybe just Barry, they go back to the past and they have to team up with Grandma Esther and she's amazing and she's awesome and she's got the nog and she's got the pie and she's awesome. So <laughs> yes. it's like it's like code name Esther and like Esther is like E.S.T.E.H.E.R. Yeah, it stands for some some crazy acronym, right? And she's like some kind of like government science program that they use for you know covert <laughs> operations or something <laughs> oh man no like i, I think i think it, i think that'd be amazing i want to see grandma esther I, th I think that would be incredible we've got time travel i feel like y'all are setting it up just just mention it when they're pitching ideas for next season like uh we never we never <laughs> We never did see a backstory for Grandma Esther. Or how cool would it be if they teamed up with Grandma Esther in the past? I, you just put it out there. Put it out there. Yeah. A, a person who is interning and getting coffee to the writers. Wh whoever our insider is, we know you're out there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or the CW executive that listens. One or the other. Whichever whichever one of y'all. We know one of y'all has influence and we thank you. Yes. <laughs> so get us that Grandma Esther spinoff uh, a comic web series uh, for the CW. Agents of Esther. Agents of Esther? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. It's I want to see it. I want to see it. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, so Cecile and Joe, they, they uh, got to interrogate, got to the bottom of things. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, they were able to get the information. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't end very well for uh, 
uh, for Dr. Amber's, as we found out, which is, you know, again, it's kind of weird. I wonder why Cicada would uh, or Kid Kid Kada would uh, would would kill her. But, you know, we're we're not quite sure what her motivations are. But, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But uh, let's see here. Who else uh, have we not talked about? Uh, Oh, I know. Ralph. Where is he? Uh, Who cares? The Cure, man. The Cure was a big thing about this episode. (laughs) Yeah, The Cure. But what about Ralph? Where is he? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I don't know. Again, another character that's clearly not necessary because we had an entire episode and he's not necessary. And no one no, man. not a single person mentioned he was gone at all but but yes you're right the cure was the big the big thing this episode uh convincing dwyer to take it and then actually utilizing it and uh saving dwyer from his injuries that the cure made him uh susceptible to because he was no longer a metahuman uh that was kind of the, the central core of this episode i guess you could say which were you surprised that he would go for the cure um I, 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 I say that I was not surprised that Barry showed uh, Dwyer his secret identity to convince him. Like I, I, I saw that coming from a mile it's Barry's away. Barry's go-to move. Like, yeah. He's yeah. always a go-to move. <laughs> yeah. If Barry's like, you don't, don't convince him as the flash, convince them as Barry. And like, I was like, okay, so that means he's basically just going to show up and take his helmet off and be like, come do the thing. And the guy will be like, Oh crap, you showed me your face. Absolutely. I, I will, I will definitely take you here. <laughs> That's the superpower. It's the yeah. Grant Gustin face. That's what it is. Like yeah, just yeah. show it to anybody and you're good. That's why the flash wears a mask is because he has like this beguiling charm about him that like, you know, <laughs> he would accidentally mind control people to do his will. If he didn't wear a mask all the time. I love I'm, it. Yes, absolutely. I'm going with that theory. <laughs> it's the only one that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yes. Grace was obviously going to be the, the key there, right? Uh, him going and saying he's going to kill all the metahumans because they hurt Grace, and then finding out that Grace is, in fact, a metahuman kind of throws a wrench into his plans, right? He's not going to sit there and go, I'm going to kill everybody that hurt Grace, including Grace, because she is now one of the things that hurt her. Right. <laughs> his whole idea kind of falls apart right there. And so, well, I mean, that, that ends up being, I think probably it, it, it kind of explores a fundamental flaw with like the kind of attitude, the kind of uh, hatred that was driving him, right? Like the kind of biases that were driving him His he had this hatred for metahumans, yet he himself was a metahuman. And he was kind of acting on this, like, well, if you're meta, you got to die. And, you know, when that is challenged, even a little bit, you know, whenever anybody kind of groups, any kind of group of people like, oh, well, if you're this, you got to die. Or, oh, if you're this, then you're worthless. Oh, if you're this, you're going to be thrown out. Like, whenever you push even a little bit, it starts to crumble because it's such a flawed philosophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely like the weakest ideological footing to, to be on. Exactly. Exactly. But it's one that's easy. It's, it's weak in terms of its argument, but easy to fall into because all you have to do is just dry, dive into this kind of blinding hate that kind of turns off your brain and just turns on this kind of, you know, this, this evilness, which Cicada has been doing. And so once that, once Barry does push and once he does, as you say, you know, take off his mask, we hit him with the Grant Gustin face, uh, <laughs> you know, it, but, but reality, it's like, look, this person that you love is a meta like this, this, you know, if, if you love nothing else, if you've kind of categorized everybody else in hate and it's interesting because I think, there, there is kind of almost a question mark when presented with that, if he is so subscribed to his ideology, ideology that he would now discard grace, that he would now see her in such a way. And of course, you know, that's not what happens, but still like, it, I, I think it's, um, you know, the, the argument 
that 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 somebody might look at that and say like oh well you know that that you know this is his position you know is is so weak well yeah but i mean that reflects a lot of weak positions that that motivate a lot of people in the real world yeah. And um, anyway, so Cicada is a, I, I got to mention something about him, man. You know, last week I mentioned that when my wife walked into the room, it was right at a, a very funny line as to, you know, I can't marry him he, or I can't date him. He's my ex-husband's doppelganger from Earth 2. Uh, <laughs> th- this week she walks in while Cicada is monologuing and she said, do you think that Nicolas Cage was supposed to play Cicada? <laughs> like, because he's talking about the cure. <laughs> he does have kind of that Nicolas Cage element when you think about it. Oh, gosh. No, I, I, I don't think she meant it as high praise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put the bunny down. <laughs> Why didn't you put the bunny down? Oh, man, that would be great, actually, to have Nicolas Cage as a villain on uh, on The Flash. <laughs> like, I, you, you know, hey, here we go for our little inside inside uh, person that we have at the CW, either that be an yeah. executive or guy in the writer's room. If you guys can get Nicolas Cage, uh, here's the thing. Nicolas Cage will not turn down any role. He has so much no, money that he has to pay for alimony uh, yes. <laughs> that he will do anything. And so if you could convince him to be like, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to be like the seasoned bad guy for Flash? didn't like he would do it and it would be fantastic yeah no this is what you need to do like pop out of the, the flash tv writer's room go into the room where ezra miller's working on trying to get his dark edgy flash movie made and just comes to be like oh mr miller uh have you considered nicholas cage for cicada All right there you go bye and then like, just pop <laughs> kermit the frog by the way is apparently this intern i don't know why kermit's interning at the, yeah, uh, the <laughs> but uh you know after their their sitcom failed you know, Kermit had the. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's a work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's oh. how the mighty have fallen. Uh, All right. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, man, Cicada, Doctor. Uh, yeah, and that's that. That all happened with everybody there with the cures and the whatnots. But man, you know, as as you mentioned, there's a lot of questions about one character in particular this episode, and that, of course, is Grace. So that's going to bring us to this week's speedster speculation. All right, so Grace shows up on the scene. This is something that has been my mind wheels have been turning pretty hardcore on got this. You, got your mind grapes focused on it. Yeah, and it was rough, man. Because like right before the move, I even like jumped on Twitter and started like like blasting out some different theories and some thoughts that came to mind. Just because I really wanted to get on and record with you, and I knew that you know over the course of the next forty eight hours, I'd be just drained, you know, emotionally, <laughs> immensely, and creatively. But but here's the thing. So first of all, I. You know, I, I I would fail if I did not mention that Grace has a very direct. Uh, the actress that portrays Grace is one that's insanely recognizable to uh, folks that used to watch Smallville back in the day. Uh, this uh, this actress Sarah Carter, she portrayed the character of Alicia Baker, who is this like uh, crazy. Um, uh, you know, person that was obsessed and in love with Clark Kent, and she was so popular that she became kind of a reoccurring villain, and uh, was responsible for exposing Clark's secret to uh, one of the main characters. And anyway, so uh, she, she, uh, immediately when you see her <laughs> because of such an iconic role on Smallville, you already know, like, oh yeah, she crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> see, I, I, I did not have that insider knowledge, so I feel a little, uh. Uh, a little left out there, but that's that's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah, yeah if Sarah Carter's playing her, it's like, yeah, yeah, she crazy, she crazy. <laughs> she but anyway, crazy. so but she crazy, she she totally crazy. Uh, Kid Kate is cra- crazy. Kid Kate is crazy. Uh, <laughs> Kid Crater. Anyway, Kid Kid Crater. <laughs> 
throw it on a t-shirt. Uh, but yeah, man. So, so she shows up, we did see her briefly, at least, um, in, in Nora's dream, but she is now physically here in the present. Bell, who do we know that has the ability to time travel back and forth between the present and the past? Eobard Thon. Yes. Now where is Eobard currently? In some Iron Heights prison in 2049 is what it appears yeah. to be. Yeah. Well, that's what that's where one Eobard is. Oh, is there another Eobard? I mean, there's tons of Eobards. They're all that's over true. the timeline. That's true. Like, Eobard is to the timeline what something that's all over something else is doing. Yeah. Like white on a blizzard? Sure. Point is, Eobard is all over the timeline. So here's my question. First question to you, Bill. Is Grace working with or for Eobard Thawn? <sighs> okay. So here's the thing. So uh, uh, Kid Kata had different daggers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And Eobard's big thing was to seem to want to uh, unlink Cicada from his main like flash lightning bolt dagger, right? Are talking um, about in, like the first throwdown or like, you know, the first one where he was getting involved? No. So, so you know, the, the, the lightning bolt dagger that Cicada has. Yeah. Uh, when Nora was talking to uh, Eobard, she was like, you know, we're going to administer the cure and then we'll, you know, remove the, the uh, Cicada from the dagger, or the link from the dagger to Cicada or whatever. She mentions that specifically. Right, right, right. So the dagger is important, I feel. Huh. But here's what's interesting, right? Is that, okay. The dagger was removed from uh, Dwyer, right? That link was broken. And now Kid Kata has it and it reactivated with her. I feel like you're making some pretty big assumptions here. So you think the daggers that she's carrying are part are connected to the dagger that the OG Cicada was carrying? No, 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 no. I'm just saying that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking that there are two specifically, there are two different entities altogether, right? Yes, and yes, that, yes, yes. Yeah, and that Eobard's plan, or, or rather Nora mentioned specifically to Eobard that, hey, we're really close to finishing and we got the cure ready, so now we'll be able to to, to uh, deactivate the dagger is what she said, right? She said specifically, like, we got to deactivate the dagger. Well, the dagger was deactivated, meaning that Eobard wanted her to deactivate the dagger. But what did we see at the end of this episode? We saw that dagger reactivate with Kit Kata. So oh, was, interesting. I totally missed that actually. Okay. Okay. All right. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she is specifically saying that, that Eobard is trying to get her, uh, at least she is reiterating that we're, we're, we're really close to deactivating the dagger, uh, which tells me that that's what Eobard wants her to do. And when they administer the cure to Dwyer, the dagger is deactivated. But again, at the end of the episode, Kid Kata has reactivated the dagger. Now, why did Eobard want that dagger deactivated? Was it so Kid Kata could pick it up and use it? And if so, why? That's what that's what I don't know. It's like, why would my my thought was is Eobard wanted the dagger deactivated is because that's a threat to speedsters, right? And he is a speedster, it can disable his power. And so why would you mm-hmm. want that? But okay, with, okay. yeah. Oh, uh, but 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 now it, it seems to me like, yes, he wanted that act, that dagger deactivated, but now it is reactivated with Kid Kata. So my question is, is did he know about Kid Kata? Was that was he is that what he was talking about when something big was coming? And did he plan on that? Or is this like a, a problem that he kind of foresaw might happen? And it did happen. So I, that that's where I'm kind of stuck right now. OK, OK. Interesting. So so here's this all gets back to one thing that became very obvious to me this episode. Like, and it probably should have been obvious to me all season, or at least uh, for the majority of the season, but it, it was just it, spot on this episode that it, it's undeniable. Bell Eobard is unfazed 
by changes to the timeline, including serious changes to the timeline. Unfazes and it doesn't bother him emotionally or unfazes and they don't affect him physically. Nora has traveled back to that point in time. Like she has traveled back from the present to the future several times over. And despite the changes to the timeline, Eobard not only has remained aware of them, and part of that is, of course, the notes that she's sending, so she's communicating that way, but he continues to be in that prison cell, right? Yeah. And and seems to have, like, there, there is a time vault nature to that prison cell that I'm starting to wonder if Eobard isn't just, like, trapped or, like, isn't just in, in just a prison not even like a prison that like mutes his powers. I'm wondering if he's actually trapped in a time vault. Like if they're actually imprisoning him in a time vault, which would mean that any changes that he was able to do to the timeline would not impact his imprisonment. You know what I mean? Oh, so they put him in a prison that like, no matter what he did with his operatives to try and change the timeline, his personal time wouldn't change and he'd still be in prison. Right. Interesting. Or, Ooh, or, what if we've been perceiving this as very wrong? What if he's not actually in prison? Like, what if he's actually there by choice? What if I'm not locked in here with you? You're locked in here with me. Uh-huh. Well, I, I mean, to some extent, yes. <laughs> but not necessarily for the purpose of like, you know, going and killing up the bad guys. Like, what if he's actually there because it's the only way to protect himself from what he's trying to do? Like we, you know, we, we still do, we still yet to have an explanation as to why he exists. And we have been operating under the theory that we're going to get that this season. Um, it would almost be somewhat of a, a, you know, kind of a major letdown if we don't get that. Uh, because, you know, if, if you're going to have Eobard back, you know, you can't just say like, ah, time is tra- timey, why me, blah, blah, blah. You know, his yeah. entire storyline has to deal with the fact that the time is ma- timeline is malleable. And we specifically saw him in the past in season one, recognizing the fact that he's going to lose, which means that he needs some sort of contingency plan. So a lot of what he's been doing is either to validate a contingency plan that he put in place or, um, you know, or, or he's trying to kind of clean up the fact that he already succeeded in his contingency plan. It's very possible, Bell, that this Eobard is actually a previous version of Eobard than the one that we saw in Earth-X. Okay, so then the Earth-X Eobard is not the same Eobard that we're seeing here in this jail cell. It will be, but it's not current. Like, it's not yet. So this is a previous version then? Yeah. So what if we're seeing that in this season, because again, we, we expect to get some sort of explanation, but what if it's possible that we are seeing in this season, the machinations that actually restored Eobard or, or revived him or brought him back to life that would then send him off at the end of the season to Earth X? You see what I'm saying? And so oh, then okay. the next point in his timeline, we've actually already seen, which by the way, I'm totally cool with that's the that's the coolest aspect of this character is that we can experience different parts of his timeline completely out of order. Yeah, that would be really neat, actually. Uh, a really cool little uh, mechanism by which to introduce that. Yes, I think that would be amazing. And so anyway, I'm, I'm kind of almost hoping that that's the case. And so perhaps whatever, you know, maybe it is this man. Maybe it's that um, Eobard in the past. I'm still kind of under operating under the idea that it's a time remnant situation. Maybe he created a time remnant and instead of sending his time remnant to earth X, maybe he put his time remnant in the speed vault when everything went the way that it went. And then in some form or fashion, that time remnant of himself basically 
locked himself in the speed vault to reawaken in the future. So, you know, because he knew that he would need to record, you know, he, having met Nora, he knew that he would have to recruit her. So he then goes into some sort of cavern within the speed vault or some sort of, you know, stasis lock or whatever to be reawakened. And maybe even at that point, he ends up reawakening in prison. Maybe the speed vault, you know, is now in this, uh, this new hyper supermax prison in the future. Well, and so, so he now has a set amount of time before the fact that he's a time remnant of a, of an erased character of a race person catches up with them. So he's working with Nora to go after, you know, set into motion, the machinations to, you know, keep him alive. And then after that's done, that him will go to earth X and then we see him again. And which means that we're able to have a future, future iteration of Eobard potentially in, in future seasons. Anyway, did I just blow everybody's mind or did you follow me on that? <laughs> so that's interesting. Uh, so, so basically you're saying that like, you know, he is in this time vault thing to protect himself from timeline changes, but in 18 minutes or whatever it was the last time we saw the clock, I think it was like 18 minutes, something uh, that is going to revert into an imprisoned state or like into a prison and he's going to be stuck there or something. Mm, no, he's already been stuck in the prison. So basically what I'm saying is that in season one, before the big battle where Eddie chooses to get a permanent vasectomy, <laughs> uh, it, before before Eddie gets a vasectomy of the lethal kind, um, Eobard creates a time remnant. That time remnant goes into stasis lock in inside the time vault and thus is not impacted by changes to the timeline and then is reawakened in the future by somebody, Nora perhaps, and is still in a time vault, which is slowing the process of him, of time, the timeline catching up with them. But if they don't do, if they don't do what they need to do to the past to make sure that he lives, you know, when, to make sure that Eddie doesn't get that vasectomy, then he will be eradicated. Thus, we get the like counting down thing. Yeah, it's interesting, but I don't know, because it seems like this Eobard is, uh, is older than season one Eobard. It feels like he's been around a little bit longer. Um, so I don't know. But that's a good the, point. Yeah, that's he, a good point. Yeah. Here, here's one thing that I thought was kind of interesting, and I don't remember if this is if this is like what it says exactly. But, you know, when they introduced it, uh, they, they do the, the aerial shot of Iron Heights. Does it say Iron Heights Prison or does it just say Iron Heights 2049? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it says prison, but if it doesn't, that opens up a whole other can of what might be going on. Yeah, maybe it's Iron Heights like criminal apartment complexes and yeah, no, no, <laughs> going to get evicted. In 18 minutes, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, I need, it's like, it's like some crazy tenacious D style story where like he's getting Nora's help to pay his rent, and <laughs> so she's like bouncing back in time. But no, but but seriously though, like that's that's one thing that I that I wanted to go back and look at that and see if it if it in all the times that we've seen that aerial shot of uh, Iron Heights, if it says Iron Heights Prison or if it just says Iron Heights, because you know it, it, it yeah. could be something different in 2049. We don't know, and I think that would be a really neat. Uh, a really interesting avenue to go down. But I, again, I don't know for sure. So I don't want to like sit here and speculate on something that's absolutely wrong. <laughs> so I'll have to check that out and, and yeah. find out that for sure. Cause that could be, a, that could be a really interesting speculation for, uh, for next time. Well, Hey, uh, we want to hear your speculation as well. So be sure to let us know and uh, we'll share some of your crazy theories on the show. Hey guys, this is Chad Rogan. And you are listening to flash TV talk. Your thoughts? Your comments. Listener feedback. 
All right, man, we got some great listener feedback. This one comes in from Fernando8523. Fernando, see, Fernando, I, I, I see you. I get you. You get me. <laughs> we get each other. This is great. So he's, he titled his review, I Am The Flash, but it's Chef at My Eye. So it's, I am the flash in reverse, which yeah. means essentially he's the reverse flash. So I, I see you, Fernando. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. He says, uh, their names are Bo and Bell, and they are the sharpest podcast on air. Utilizing the power of the beard force, they keep us updated on all things The Flash. Great work. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> I really like that. That's, that's super cool. I know. Well done, Fernando. Thank you. Thank you for that iTunes review. And hey, we love getting iTunes reviews. So if you haven't done so already, head over to iTunes, write us a review. It's a great way to help out the show. And by the way, if you would also like to help out the show in more financial means ways, that is also very much appreciated. Head over to patreon.com slash TV talk to do so, Uh, especially right now, as we've been kind of going through a bit of a transition period, or at least I have. One thing that we definitely want to happen next week is a return of the live show. We've seen your tweets. We know that a lot of y'all enjoy that and we enjoy that as well. It's a great way to hang out with y'all directly and get your live feedback and your comments on the show, your commentary. Um, have Karen hold us accountable for all the crazy things <laughs> the we say. It's the flash that we perform every week. Well, <laughs> what I love is, man, like, you know, like, she, like A, she knows way more than us on those and B, you know, it's, it's good to be challenged on some theories that like a lot of times I get so into my own theory that I start taking it as gospel, even though it is just a theory. And so, you know, it's, it's good to have those challenge from time to time. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so hopefully the live show will be back. I've got actually, um, as I'm looking around the room right now, I've got everything, uh, the wires set up to do that and look forward to returning to that as soon as possible. So next week, hopefully, if so, that will be the Wednesday following the flash at what do we say? Five, p.m. I think is our uh, that our is time yeah Wednesday 5 p.m. Central time central yeah. s- daylight time because it's daylight say yeah yeah central time whatever just, it just is. central time whatever yeah we'll yeah well we'll post it out and uh, join us on the Facebooks for the Facebook live show that'll be a lot of fun also you can keep up with us throughout the week you can follow us on the Twitters at Flash TV Talk or Bell at Ring That Bell or me at the Real Bo York and if 280 characters is enough to express your love for our show feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com that's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com and for the latest news daily discussions and returning live shows for The Flash be sure to check out or rather The Flash TV Talk podcast be sure to check out facebook.com slash flash TV talk and as always special thanks to Charlie Bach who provides music for our show you can find the rest of his awesome music at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach and that's going to do it for us for this episode but don't worry since the episode's coming out like tomorrow by the time you're listening to this we'll definitely be back in a flash (laughs) 